Hello folks, you're very welcome to this installment of our In Conversation with series. Today I'm joined by Senator Sylvia South, Fiona Loughlin, she's a Fianna Fáil Senator. Uh, before this she served as a town councillor there from 1994, then was elected to Clare County Council in 1999 until 2016. She then served as a TD uh, in Clare South from 2016, where she also served as the Chair of the Education and Skills Committee. Uh, Fiona Loughlin, you're very welcome, thank you very much for joining us. Great to be here. Thanks for asking me, Tom. I'm delighted to say hello to everybody from Kildare South, from Newbridgeshire, nowhere to be precise. And I think this is a great innovation. So well done to Ogra. Thanks very much, Fiona. Um, I suppose, look, Fiona, we want to get to know the person behind the politician. Um, I suppose the, the good place to always start is with your family. Do you know, were your family involved in politics? Yes, my family were in 1898, in fact, when we had the very first councils in local government. My grandfather was a member of Kildare County Council. Now, he was somebody that I never knew. He died, in fact, when my father was only nine. But from everything I would have read or learned about him, he was a very fine person. And the principles of social justice were very important to him, as indeed they would be to myself. And years after that, my dad became a county councillor and served for 25 years. And he also served on the Committee of the Regions, the very first one in Brussels. Uh, so I grew up in a family that wasn't dominated by politics. It was really more about issues within the communities and also that sense of social justice. But we certainly would have uh, debated and had discussions and have been very interested in all of the different campaigns because being the eldest of 11 children Tom um, we were all brought out in every sort of campaign in terms of canvassing leafleting so I've very strong memories of all of those and when I ran first in 1994 I was a very young teacher not long qualified and teaching in Newbridge and it wasn't something that really I was thinking about but I was asked by the common in Newbridge would I consider putting my name forward and so to my surprise I was elected so in fact I represented a different area to my dad we were both public representatives at the same time which was interesting. Very interesting um, just I just picked up there that you said you were teaching before you got, um, got elected to the council I'm wondering, like, was it was it a big transition to go from you know being in your classroom with the students to suddenly now representing the people in the in the area? You know, how did you find that transition? Or did you maybe just have teaching as well? Well, one of the things I think that really got me interested in politics and being active in politics was the experience that I had in the classroom, and particularly at the classroom door. I was teaching in a school that I'm still very much in contact with, great school, great staff, great parents, great students, but it was, it did cater for a lot of children from socially disadvantaged areas. So I was teaching junior infants for the main, junior infants and first communion were the two classes that I pretty much had. And I found talking to parents when they were bringing their children into school and collecting the children that they, just the challenges that they had, the difficulties that they had. And I was just very conscious then about the inequality in society. I think I learned a lot from that. And I was involved in different organizations at the time because being, you know, having 
qualified and, and teaching i was obviously interested in having a social life but i was interested in also being involved in different things i took a career break for two years and traveled for the two years which was uh the best thing I would say nearly that I ever did in my entire life. But when I came back, I really wanted to immerse myself in different things. So by being involved in things like the Scouts, like the Musical Society, um, I was learning a little bit more too about the community that I was living in. So they really were the reasons that propelled me to get involved. So yes, it was different for quite a time. I was the only woman on the town council and obviously a very much younger uh, counsellor than a lot of the others. So that took me quite a while to be comfortable in and, and also to develop that self-confidence in terms of putting my own views forward. But many of those that served uh, with me, we became good firm friends. Sadly, many of, many of them are no longer with us, but I, I formed good and strong friendships cross-party in relation to that. Now, then again, you'd have a situation, sometimes junior infants were easier to manage, to be honest, than having, you know, when you're in a, a town council meeting and there, there's, there's contentious issues, um, there were only nine of us, but it really brought home the value of town councils to me as well. While we had very small budgets, we were able to uh, make very meaningful contributions to the community groups. Uh, like tidy towns, like community games that were involved. And I would have helped then through that set up the very first arts festival in Newbridge, which was called Beantina, which had a really, really good 10 year sojourn and led to, we have a, a June fest, which unfortunately obviously can't happen now with COVID-19. Um, so it, yeah, it was, it was a great learning curve and um, has stood to me in terms of where, where I have gone on politically since. And of course, I was very involved in Ogre at the time. And uh, we had a really strong Ogre in Kader at the time. And, and it was a great place to be. If I can bring you back just a second, you, you said something there about being one of the youngest councillors at the time. Um, and I thought, as a young person, I thought, with an interest in politics and seeing how difficult it can be for young people to get involved. Um, did you find there was a big change in terms of your social life with your own friends? once you became a counsellor. You know, was, was there time constraints on it? Did you find that you had to try and balance? You're 100% right. And uh, that has always been a difficulty. And that's something that now at this stage of my life, I may have a regret about that. I was very much focused and it wasn't, it was more about focusing on the responsibility that I had that in my mind, I had signed a contract when I put myself forward to run for election. And this has been the same for every election that I've had since and said that I would give everything, my all, if I was elected. And that was a contract that I signed with the people that I represented. So I, I really felt that I had a commitment to practically every meeting that I was invited to or indeed just to catch up with people in terms of their own individual responsibilities. So there's absolutely no doubt that I would have missed out on opportunities to be with friends. Um, so that was, it probably wasn't something I thought about a lot at the time and I'm blessed with fantastic friends and many friends indeed from that period in my life. But it's something, they, they, and they accepted that I had 
other commitments and that's where I was. But, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm sure I, I missed out on, on interpersonal, uh, you know, relationships with friends and with family because of that. So it, it's a sacrifice I think, that has to be made. And I think trying to work out that balance between your work, between your own personal life and between your commitments as a public representative is a big challenge. But I would suggest, you know, to anybody getting involved in public life to try to address that at an early stage. I suppose, just because you mentioned Ogre, and we are on the Ogre Facebook page, I do want to ask you about it. Um, so, look, you've always been a great friend to Ogre, and still are a really good friend, which has always been very good to us. Um, I suppose, I want to ask you, what value maybe you found in getting involved with Ogre? When you got involved um, at a early stage with us? Uh, well, I suppose, initially, to be perfectly honest, um, I my, we lived out the country, and when we were 17, we were put on the insurance of my mum's car, which was great. And I see my niece and nephew are sort of reaching that at that point, and they live out there too, and they can't wait to get driving. And it was always, you were always given the car if you said you were going to an ogre meeting. <laughs> so it was uh, a way of socializing as much as anything else. And I think that's important because if you are making a commitment, to go to a meeting or to go to a function, there has to be something enjoyable about it. Like it's, it's good to be a learning experience and to have the opportunity to have your voice heard. But I, and I certainly remember um, really appreciating that senior members of the party came to our meetings and listened to us and, and, and took our views on board. But there has to be a bit of crack involved in it as well too. And having been at some of the ogre functions, Tom, that you've been at yourself, I think there's still a good element of crack in ogre, and I think that's really important. Uh, absolutely, I suppose it's, you know, you know, nothing is any good unless you're enjoying yourself in it. Um, that's it. Yeah. I suppose one thing I want to ask you about: you're you're a big ambassador for session needs, and you have been throughout the years. Um, and I suppose. I, I, Want to talk to us maybe about that? You know, what what drove that for you? Maybe what started on that? Is there something? Yeah, there there is something personal in that. I have a brother who's Down syndrome, Cahill. He's forty five. He was forty five two weeks ago, and we normally have a, a big bash. And unfortunately, obviously, we couldn't this time round. And Cahill has been an inspiration to our family. He's the ninth of eleven and he's very much the heartbeat he lives with my mom and we're just incredibly lucky that the two of them are there together during this period of isolation because they they're great friends and they have a lot of things in, in common uh, a lot of interests in common and uh they you know he's 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 just he's just a great brother to have but because of that I was a volunteer with Special Olympics. Didn't do a huge amount, but, but, but a little bit. And then when Special Olympics were coming to Ireland for the World Games, I thought, my God, wouldn't that be the most incredible thing to be involved in? And I was lucky enough to meet Mary Davis, who's an incredible person. And so she went through all of the different elements and I thought, she talked about the host town program which basically was going to be an element where whoever was going to work on it had to go out and recruit towns all around the island of Ireland and, set, and match those towns then that came on board 
with the visiting countries and develop a four to five day visiting program. And also bring in an educational element for children in those schools, both around the cultural element of the visiting countries and indeed around the, the talents and needs of young people with an intellectual disability and indeed older people. So uh, I remember thinking, my God, that would be an amazing job to have. And uh, yeah, so I felt I hit the one the lotto when I was offered the opportunity to work on the host town programme and to develop it. So I know Ireland like the back of my hand. So when people were saying, you know, when I ran for the Senate, my God, you're going to have to be driving here, there and everywhere. I had done it like multiple times with, you know, during the build up of that. And what was particularly interesting was we had 21 host towns in Northern Ireland. And bear in mind, this was around the time that the RUC uh, no longer ceased uh, to exist and the PSNI was brought in. So it was a time of huge cultural change just after the Good Friday Agreement. The first time indeed that th those from both communities were coming together to do something positive as a community. Uh, so to me, it was incredible to be part of that. And I saw the very, very, very best in, in people coming together. So we had 180 towns that were involved. And again, I, I, I made great friends through that process. It was interesting, it certainly had its challenges as well, but I think that it was an incredibly positive experience for, for the country and particularly the host town programme. And I think it really changed people's attitudes to people with an intellectual disability. And in fact, after that, I worked on a legacy programme in terms of helping set up Special Olympic clubs where there were none in some of the towns that had a fantastic setup for the, the, the athletes they hosted from other countries. And really what some of those towns did afterwards was incredible. They're, sti they're still in touch. Around the time of the election, I had a letter actually from Dermot Walsh from Carsalvin, who was the chair of the host town committee there. And they had a Soto and they're still in touch with Lesotho. And many of them did fundraising, uh, in, like Kilcullen, for example, now had Kenya, and they had fundraised for a running track for, uh, for Kenya for, for Special Olympics. And we helped develop then Special Olympics in Tanzania and Uganda, where I was lucky enough to go. Uh, we got some Irish aid grants. Uh, so really, th there was a huge impact both nationally and outside of that in terms of what we did. Uh, so it was incredible. And then I was lucky enough to work on a European level for five years with Mary Davis. And that was around developing um, a government awareness program for all of the 28 EU countries. Um, uh, and indeed another 24 aside from that, because while the Irish government was good and very good in supporting terms of supporting Special Olympics, not all governments were. So part of my role then was to work with national organisations to develop that and get funding and also to work with the European Parliament and European Commission around getting funding for healthy athlete programmes and for large events. So over, over five years I was successful in getting 13 and a half million euros. Um, so that's what I was doing actually up to the time that I was elected to the dog. Combining all of that with my work as a county councillor, but very interesting work 
I, I learned a lot and you know sometimes people talk about going into politics at a young age or at an older age and while I always enjoyed my work at a local level and I really believe in the importance of local government I always said if there was an opportunity to run at a national level I'd be interested in that um, and to be honest with you for a long time I didn't think you know I would have that opportunity but I focused on other things that I could do in my life as well so I'll always be very thankful that I had the opportunity to work with Special Olympics and sometimes you know and I would say that maybe to Ogre members who may feel that they may not get a chance in their own constituency for 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 a long long time you know like it, it's it's about other things that you do in your life at, at the same time and they may help propel you into public life because a lot of it's about luck a lot of it's about being in the right place at the right time and that happens at different times for all of us oh yeah so look at i think that's the work that, that you do and have done like it's absolutely amazing and i think that's that's a really important message there at the end as well it is important that we get involved in our communities and that we help out all these different causes um because i suppose at the end of the day it's about the people that are around us and the people that you know those the young politicians want to represent, but they need to know them and they need to be able to work for them. I think that's, the, that's probably the bottom line on it. Absolutely, and it was something that really informed me during my time as Chair of the Education and Skills Committee in the Oireachtas. Um, and just the whole, the whole disability area, I, I took part then also in, we had joint, joint, joint committees, believe it or not, that's what it was called, in relation to the committee for um, social opportunities and the health committee also in terms of looking at barriers for people with disabilities accessing work and education and all of that so i feel that i learned a lot from from my time and increasingly i find just even you know within my own constituency of Kader south i am coming across those barriers that are still there while i think we have improved in education at some level uh so much more needs to be done and I, I feel i have that experience to bring to that but of course i i particularly in my four years as a td i would have worked with people who had like many different challenges and many different problems that it wasn't confined to that but i suppose that that was something i felt i had something extra to bring to Absolutely. And I could look at you're back in the office now, and so you're there to be able to share your experience um, with the people. But I suppose I want to ask you about the different types of campaigns you've been on because you've been on the town council, you've been the county council, you've been the boys, you've been the Shannon. Um, for each of those, obviously, you've had to run campaigns. But of course, I can't imagine that they've all been the same. Um, <laughs> I suppose, what one did you find the most challenging? Or maybe there wasn't one, but you know, was the one that just thought, you know, this is tough to get through. I thought obviously you got through them. <laughs> the general election, twenty twenty, <laughs> the one that happened in on the eighth of February. I actually found that campaign difficult, not not knowing that the result was going to be a negative one. Um, but I actually did find that difficult. I found that you know when I was battling with that whole thing. Uh, oh, Fiona's going to head the poll, she doesn't need your vote, la da da. 
um, that was a big issue. Then obviously we had the, the surge with Fianna Fáil. I had a very strong independent as well. And I, I, I did find that campaign challenging. Mm. To a certain extent, I think your first campaign can be your hardest. And when I look back on it, I suppose I was maybe naive and, and innocent as well. Like I just presented myself at doors um, uh, and just hide. I'm, I'm, I'm a local teacher. I'm interested in the community. And I, I, yeah, and I did very well. I came in third uh, on that one. And I, I always enjoy campaigns. I always enjoy the challenge and I always enjoy the engagement. Canvassing is something I've always enjoyed. And I've always enjoyed that engagement. And I think in the one, two months ago, we didn't have the same level of engagement uh, at doors. And that was something that frustrated me and gave me the sense that something different was happening because people were polite, people weren't rude. Um, like I, I didn't run in 2011, but I was very involved in the campaigns. I was at canvassing all of the time and people were very rude and did not want to discuss anything at all. But you were very clear where you stood. This time it was a lack of engagement and that did concern me. So um, in terms of differences like obviously taking on a general election campaign in, in 2016 taking on a, a much wider area uh, was a challenge a big challenge but it was something that I was gearing myself towards for a year I was on the ticket for not that long before the actual election um, but I, I, I felt I had something to prove and I was just out there to do that um, so the, and that had its challenges and it also had its challenges, you know, because financially you're obviously putting yourself on the line in terms of doing something like that. And uh, thankfully it went the right way. Obviously it didn't, by, by a mere housing estate, you could say, I lost the general election um, in February. But the, the Senate election was different because logistically, it's a big issue. You're trying to get around to as many people as you can. I enjoyed the engagement. It was a very different type of engagement. And I have to say, I was hugely impressed with the level of representation that we have from our local councillors right around the country. Um, met some fantastic people, met some great new young councillors that were just elected. to their communities and trying to make their communities a better place to live and that's that should absolutely be you know the, the central plan for their party and concerned about the general election results that we had and um, so I think that was great in fact I'd love to be able to get into the car now and to go around and talk to all of those people again um, and I have, I, I, I'm working my way through phone calls um, to chat to people now. It's, it was an interesting, interesting campaign. And people said to me at the start, it's a really difficult campaign. It's the hardest campaign um, of, of all, the Senate campaign. I actually didn't find it 
um, the logistics were the biggest problem. And then, of course, with COVID-19, we, you know, it stopped short. Now, thankfully, I had uh, most of the campaign at that stage. But I, no, I, 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 I was exhausted, of course, after the general election. But I, I did, I did enjoy it and I enjoyed the engagement. And I hope I keep up that engagement now during my time as a senator. Um, I suppose you talked there about your time coming out as a senator, um, and I suppose that will be time consuming. But I suppose you need a bit of downtime as well. Um, and I suppose I'm interested in knowing what do you get up to when you do get any spare time, if you, if you get any of that in. Um, well, I have to say, for the last five years, I had no downtime whatsoever. And, and I think, again, going back to that work life balance. That was a lesson, you know, learned for me. What what do I enjoy? Um, I, I enjoy traveling. We're not going to get too much of that, obviously, uh, in, for the months ahead. But I've always enjoyed traveling. Um, I mentioned earlier I spent two years traveling. I took a career break when I was teaching for three years. And that was incredible, I, including spending a number of months on a kibbutz in Israel. So I, I, I think traveling, traveling really broadens the mind. I'm not a great person for just a package holiday. I like going to a country and exploring it and seeing it and meeting people and, and looking at the cultural aspects of it. I love reading. And um, so the, over the last weeks, I've had a chance to reacquaint myself with reading, which I've enjoyed. Um, I, there was a time when I used to love theatre. My parents uh, were always very interested in theatre, so when we were young they brought us to theatre a lot in Dublin. And I'm a big fan of local drama. Yeah. And in Rathangan we always host a local drama festival and it's the highlight of the year for many that are involved. I think drama is just incredible and I think the fact that we can bring um, drama and theatre to our, our own doorsteps is amazing. I was very involved in getting the local arts centre, the county arts centre in Newbridge a number of years ago. And unfortunately over the last five years, never had the time or the opportunity to go, but that's certainly something I'd enjoy. Cooking is something, and, and again, um, over the last few weeks, I've relearned, you know, carrot cake and mastered the art of crepe Suzette, Tom which I've always wanted to do. So uh, entertaining when I have time. Uh, I like, you know, hosting my friends, you know, for dinner and a glass of wine. And yeah, so they would be something I really want to do. I never got the chance to do art in school, but my family would be quite creative. My mum is an artist. Well, she's, if she heard me describing her as that, but she paints and she paints beautiful paintings. And one of my brothers is a bog oak sculptor. And um, I would really love to pay. I did an art course once, but I'd love to go back. And I, I think we all have a creative side that, you know, within us that we maybe don't get the chance to explore. So that's something that I'd like to, to touch base with again. So they're all the pleasurable things that I would certainly like to do if I had more time. But I'd be busy obviously in the Senate, and I intend to continue to be busy in Kildare South. While I'm not a TD, I would hope to put my name forward to run in the next general election, whenever that is. And uh, so I'll be keeping up my activities around here. 
Look, Tony, we know how busy you are, so we're extremely grateful um, that you took your time out today to talk to us. And just on behalf of myself and from over, we'd like to thank you uh, for the work that you do with us and indeed for helping us out and for today talking with us. Um, I think we'll leave it there for today. Fiona Lockman. That's, that's a real pleasure, Tom. No, I, I really enjoyed it. And look, well done to you and well done to the Ogre group. I was in Port Leash the day that you were elected. And I, I think that, you know, in my work, particularly over the last few years, I've had, you know, quite a link, and particularly also around my role as spokesperson for equality. And I've always been uh, hugely impressed and engaged with the work that you do.